بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمد وصلي على رسول الكريم اما بعد نكاح سلمان فارسي رضي الله تعالى عنه اخرج منعيم في الحليه عن ابي عبد الرحمن السلمي عن سلمان رضي الله عنه انه تزوج امراه من كند فبنى بها في بيتها فلما كان ليله البناء مشى معه اصحابه حتى اتى باب امراته فلما بلغ البيت قال ارجعوا اجركم الله ولم يدخلكم عليها كما فعل السفهاء فلما نظر الى البيت والبيت منجد قال محموم بيتكم ام تحولت الكعبه في كند قالوا ما بيتنا بمحموم ولا تحولت الكعبه في كند فلم يدخل البيت حتى نزع كل ستر في البيت غير ستر الباب فلما دخل راى متاعا كثيرا فقال لمن هذا المتاع قالوا متاعك ومتاع امراتك قال ما بهذا وساني خليلي صلى الله عليه وسلم وساني خليلي الا يكون متاعي من الدنيا الا كزاد الراكب الى اخر الحديث at the last majlis we were discussing al-azra rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said bu'ithtu li utammima makarim al-akhlaq he said allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent me to perfect and to take your deen to itmam to perfection to its culmination and allah's rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what did he describe as the pinnacle of deen the pinnacle of iman the pinnacle of the perfection of one's faith as i mentioned many times we tend to have a very restricted and a confined understanding of what is piety what is a person's development in his faith etc we tend to restrict this to what we call overt acts of ibadat like salah fasting hajj tilawat of quran zikrullah etc However if you look I remember once Mulay Ibrahim Devla sahab down barakatu one bayan he mentioned he said if you look at the books of Islamic jurisprudence if you look at the books of ahkamat laws or regulations of sharia kitabus saum kitabus salat kitabus zakat the book that deals with fasting or the laws of it the book that deals with salah the laws of it He says the outward acts of ibadat if it is a five volume piece of work one or two volumes will be dealing with that In fact Azhar Mawlana in his bayan he said 15 to 20% may be dealing with that What is the other 80% whether it's the book of fiqh whether it's ahadith whether it's the talimat of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ahkamat laws regulations pertaining to our acts of ibadat he said is 15 or 20% maybe 25% what is the other 75 or 80% the other 75 or 80% is teaching this human being how to live with another human being what we call akhlaq and character unfortunately many of us tend to have a very very limited understanding or perception of what is deen classical example if you look at hajj rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said 
الحج المبرور ليس له جزاء الا الجنه what this hadith means if we translate it in layman's terms that if a man makes a hajj mabrur between him and jannah there is only death once he dies directly into jannah laysa lahu jazaa'un illa al-jannah this is what this hadith means allah the rasul says make hajj mabrur and jannah guaranteed so the sahaba asked rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa ma birru al-hajj ya rasulullah what makes the hajj mabrur this hajj nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says the only obstacle between you and jannat is mort once you die you are a jannati if you make this kind of hajj so the sahaba asked what is that kind of hajj now if we have to take your hand and place it on the book of hadith and block the last section off and then ask somebody what you think will the answer be our perception will be a hajj where person read lot of labbaik was making tawaf all the time was in allah's ibadat all the time he was engaged in worship all the time that is our understanding yet when this question was asked to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya rasulullah what makes a hajj mabrur what constitutes hajj mabrur the answer nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave he said it'amu ta'am wa tibul kalam he said it is that hajj where the haji feeds the people is extremely generous and he controls his tongue nothing is spoken about tawaf talbiya any of the other although the rites of hajj have to be carried out but what takes this hajj to that level where it gets the stamp this is mabrur now this is a jannati's hajj so that amount that gives us an idea an understanding of how much of emphasis quran and hadith places upon akhlaq and character allah taala says about rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa ma arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil alamin that o muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam we have not sent you as anything but rahmat mercy for who not lil muslimin or lil mu'minin lil alamin for the entire alam world population today is 7 billion or 8 billion plus minus from that they say 15% 1 billion is muslim that 1 billion is exposed understands about salah expo, exposed to hajj knows about the quran zikrullah etc the other 85% of the world population what is their exposure to muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his legacy of rahmat and mercy they don't come to the masjid they don't know about the quran they're not exposed to the fast of ramadan in any way they don't benefit from zakat also they are not exposed to our salah etc their link and their exposure to islam is what is the conduct of this muslim how does he interact what is his business dealing how does he speak how does he live with his fellow human being that is their link with the legacy of rahmat and mercy of muhammad rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this is why so much of emphasis is placed on akhlaq and character this is itmam of deen this is the culmination of deen this is the perfection of one's faith and it is extremely unfortunate my respected brothers that we put very little emphasis on this our understanding of piety our understanding of deendari 
our understanding of a person's spiritual development, personality like Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Brilliant. Fifteen occasions, fifteen occasions Umar thought of something, gave a suggestion. And Quran came down confirming the suggestion of Umar radiallahu That kind of intelligence Allah Ta'ala blessed him with. Nabi Salaam said, Lokana Badi, Nabiun Lakana Umar, if there to be a Nabi after me, it would have been Umar. And what does he say? Ya Ihuan Nas. La takurrannakum tantanatur rajuli bil layli fi salatihi. La takurrannakum. He said, O people, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. If you see a man not crying, if you see a man wailing, screaming and crying in his tahajjud salah, don't be deceived that that is a pious person. He said, if you see a man screaming and crying in tahajjud salah, don't think that's a pious person. Don't be deceived. La taqurrannakum. Don't be deceived by that. He said, a man amongst, amongst men, piety, spiritual development, spiritual perfection, is what? He said, is when this person opens his mouth, listen, do thorns come out or flowers come out? When he opens his mouth, is he insulting somebody? Is he making ghibat about somebody? Is he hurting somebody? Is he speaking harshly to somebody? Is he taunting at somebody? Man salim al-muslimoon amil lisanihi wayadi. He said that person from whose tongue and hands others are safe. Waman adal amanata ida tumin and his financial dealings are correct. When he makes a promise, he keeps his promise. When he gives his zaban, when he gives his word, then he fulfills that. He said that is a pious person. Man wailing and sobbing in tahajjud salah is not necessary an act of piety. Look at this. This is what we call hukukullah, hukukul ibad, the rights of Allah. In the, when it comes to Allah's rights, our ibadat, etc., then we find, my respected brothers, there is a lot of levity in sharia. A lot of levity. Allah is ghafur, Allah is very merciful. So a lot of levity is given. But when it comes to what we call hukukul ibad, your interaction with your fellow Muslim, your interaction with your fellow human being, not Muslim, fellow human being. Here, we find there isn't much levity or grace. Here the shariat is very, very strict. And this is why, with the past passage of time, earlier this month, when our jamaat was in Joburg, we met one senior alim. Wherever we are going now, this is the common complaint that is coming. This Alim Mashallah was in Atikaf, earlier part of Ramadan. We sat with him a few minutes and same thing. He says, Maulana is telling me, what must we do? Look at the mu'amalat of the ummah. Look at the financial dealings of the ummah. It's an absolute mess. Person is tahajjud, guzar, shabedar, going in the path of Allah, going for hajj and umrah, doing all sorts of involving pulling masjids, etc. But the financial dealings, did this one down, did that one down. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what did Rasulullah He said, who is the bankrupt person of my ummah? Who is the bankrupt person? Not that person who doesn't have money. 
He said it is that person who will come on the day of judgment, bi salatin wa siyamin, will come with great, great acts of ibadat. He will come with great, great acts of ibadat on the day of judgment. But, shatamahada, akala malahada, safaka damahada, darabahada. But, he swore that person, ate up the haq of that other, other person, insulted that person trampled upon the rights of that person. And that day the scale of justice will be set up. The man was a tahajjud guzar his entire life. Tahajjud guzar. Made Isha and Fajr with the same wuzu his whole life. Fasted every day. But his financial, social dealings were incorrect. In his house he was a zalim. In his business he was a zalim. Whoever he came into contact with he was a zalim. There was no control over his speech. There was no control over his dealings. And what will happen? All the plaintiffs will have lined up. يُؤْخَذُ min hasanati. Rasulullah said, that day the currency is what? Currency day is not dirham and dinar. Not rands and dollars. It's neki. Good deeds. All his good deeds will be used to pay, pay back all those people. All the claims. Eventually the deeds will get finished. And then what will happen? Their sins will be put onto this person. Entire life tahajjud and his, he, the zina someone else committed, he's going into jahannam and suffering for that. The sharab someone else drank. They're going to a prostitute someone else went with. Person was a outwardly pious person his entire life and now Allah protect us. He is suffering in jahannam with those sins because of his akhlaq and character being incorrect. Nabi said, he is the bankrupt person of my ummah. So much of emphasis Shariat puts on this. One classical example, if you look in Surah, in, the, in Surah Bani Israel, Allah says, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهُ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانَ إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبْرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أُكِلَاهُمَا فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْ وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا وَاخْفِضْ لَهُمَا جَنَاحَ الذُّلِّ مِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ وَقُلْ رَبِّ ارْحَمْهُمَا كَمَا رَبَّيَانِي صَغِيرًا رَبُّكُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا فِي نُفُوسِكُمْ إِن تَكُونُوا صَالِحِينَ فَإِنَّهُ كَانَ لِلْأَوَّابِينَ غَفُورًا Allah Ta'ala, we find that in these verses that I recited, one side is حُقُوكُ Allah's right. Other side is ibad. The right of Allah's slaves. In this particular instance, the parents. What is the haq of the parents? Allah is making bayan. Now do the comparison. Your Rabb has determined, has ordained that you worship none but Allah. Hukukullah, Allah's rights. One command. One command. Now the rights of the parents, immediately. وَبِلْ وَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا First command. إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرْ أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْ Second command. وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا Third command. وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا Fourth command. وَاخْفِضْ لَهُمَا جَنَاحَ الذُّلِّ مِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ Fifth command. 
وقر رب ارحم هما كما رب بياني صغيرا سيكست كمان ربكم اعلم بما في نفوسكم ان تكونوا صالحين سيفنت كمان ربكم اعلم بما في نفوسكم سيفنت كمان ان تكونوا صالحين ايت كمان فانه كان للاوابين غفورا نينت كمان سو الله از رايت ون كمان rights of the parents immediately nine injunctions from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is the extent to which shariat has placed emphasis on us becoming beautiful human beings beautiful human beings attractive human beings i don't mean superficial beauty i don't mean that mashallah you go to a salon or go to a beautician no but to anoint yourself zayyinu akhlaqakum beautify your akhlaq because it is akhlaq that is going to attract people towards islam it is akhlaq and character that is going to make you a beautiful human being and the crunch test the crunch test of akhlaq you see to pull wool over people's eyes is very easy to fool the whole world that you are a very good human being is very very easy but there are two two people that you come in two two categories of people that you come into contact with that it is very very difficult to pull wool over or to deceive and these two categories shariat has recognized this this is why we find in ahadith specific mention is made one is the people that work for you those who are your subordinates those who you enjoy some sort of right or position or status over to deceive them is very difficult and the second is your wife these two departments is where the real crunch test of akhlaq comes that is why we find anas radhiyallahu ta'ala anhu when he was a 10 year old boy his mother brought him to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that time nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam made hijrat had come to madina munawwara so the mother of anas radhiyallahu ta'ala who brought him at the age of 10 to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he said she said to him that ya rasulullah from this day onwards i am giving i am placing anas he is your khadim he is your servant ya rasulullah i want you to use him i making him walk to you that is why he is known as khadimul rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam the servant we call it the staff of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he says khadamtun nabiyya sallallahu alaihi wasallam 10 sinin he said i was in the service of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam for 10 years and in that 10 years he never struck me once never insulted me once never swore at me once never raised his voice with me once and many times he says i was a child he'd send me to do some work i would get see the other children playing i'd start playing and i would delay the work of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam his family members would get angry and they would start scolding me nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam would intercede on my behalf and say leave him alone it's not his fault if the work was supposed to be done and allah decreed it would have got done that is akhlaq of nubuwwat that is when 
a person becomes a beautiful human being, not superficial, inside. We have staff, we have subordinates, we have servants in our homes. How many of us, any of our servants can say that about us? Saying, Kehna ke me aashi ke Rasul is very easy. That I am a follower of Rasulullah, I love Rasul, is very easy. So that is one department. And even harder than that, even harder than that, the real crunch test of akhlaq is your wife. I'm not saying it. Akmalul mu'minina imanan ahsanuhum khuluqa. Sahih hadith. Rasulullah said, who is the most kamil? Kamil, like we mentioned previously, kamil means perfect, highest, epitome. You can't go higher than that. Kamal iman. Kamal iman. He said the perfection of faith, the highest pinnacle of faith is ahsanuhum khuluqa is the person with the best character amongst you. And immediately, Nabi Salaam gives you the yardstick, the thermometer, the measuring tape. How do you check as your akhlaq reach kamal and perfection? He said, khiyarukum, khiyarukum linisa'ihim. Altafuhum, altafuhum bi ahlihi. Another riwayat. He said, the best, the best, the best amongst you. In other words, the highest pinnacle of faith, there's no one with more greater and more kamil iman than this person, is the one who treats his wife the best. The one who treats his wife the best. Because the crunch test of akhlaq is in the house. You'll see the person outside in his shop, when that eye candy walks in, when that visual distraction walks in, he's the height of akhlaq, smiling at her speaking sweetly to her, tolerant, although he's not even supposed to be looking at her. There he's smiling. There he's, mashallah, a gentleman. And the same person, when he walks into his house, then he says, I'm the boss of the house. Then he's got no tolerance. Then he's got no patience whatsoever. Where he is supposed to be exhibiting patience, there he doesn't exhibit. Where he's supposed to, turning away, there he's staring. And then we call this akhlaq and character. This is not akhlaq and character. The real crunch test, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, one rewayat, he said, the person who will be closest to me, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, on the day of judgment, will be the one with the best akhlaq and who will treat his wife the best. So much of emphasis, so much of emphasis, our shariat, our deen has placed on the development of a person's akhlaq within his home. This is tabligh also. I remember when our jamaat was in 95 in Jordan. We were in one village. They were giving us kal guzari of this one person. They say he was such a hot-tempered person. Such a boiling temperament he had. By nature, that even if he's sitting with you normally, he starts perspiring. That's how hot-tempered he was. They say this person, once he took a knife and he chased his, his own father. That kind of a temper he had. So the Jamaat got hold of him and he went out for three days in the path of Allah. They were giving us the kaguzari of this person. The person spent his time properly in that. When he came back, when he came back, first thing he went home, he knocked on the door. When the wife opened the door, he made salam. She almost fainted. First time in his life, he made salam, smiled before he entered the house. The description of Rasulullah sallallahu that is given. One sahabi describes Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hin bin Abi Hala. 
he describes Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He says, "Mutawassil al-ahzan, daim al-fikra, leisat lahu raha." Constantly in fikr, constantly in gham, in worry, in concern. He had no chain, no peace. He was always in fikr. And then the exact same question is put to Aisha radiallahu anha. Describe Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What answer she gives? She says, "Kana dhaqan basama." Allah was smiling always, jovial, happy. Now if you look at this, look at this, look at how conflicting these two descriptions are. Mutawasil al-ahzan, laysad lahu raha, daim al-fikra, and yet dahakan basaman. So what was the difference? Both were speaking the truth. What was the difference? Ulama explained, Hin bin Abi Hala was asked to describe Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam outside the house in the masjid. Always in fikr, always in gham, the worry of the ummat. And Aisha described him inside the house. Always smiling, always jovial, always happy. So this was the akhlaq of nubuwat. This was the character of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We find in, in, when it comes to human relationships, the bunyadi foundational relationship which the shariat places the most emphasis upon is the relationship between husband and wife. If you look at Quran also, parents and child, very very important. But few verses, brother and sister, few verses. Two rukus dealing with virasat or inheritance. But when it comes to husband and wife, Allahu Akbar. Hundreds of verses in the Quran. Whole, whole rukus Allah Ta'ala has revealed. Surah Baqarah, Surah Ala Imran, Surah Nisa, Surah Maida, throughout the Quran. Conflict resolution. How a husband and wife are supposed to live. What is the rights of one over the other? Why? Because this relationship is fundamental for the preservation of the human race. From this relationship, the next progeny will be born. And this is why so much of emphasis the shariat is placed upon it. As Moisa under the chapter of the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he is devoted an entire sub-chapter to nikah, to marriage. Very, very lengthy, voluminous discussion of the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu with the various azwaji mutahharat. What was the need for Rasulullah sallallahu to enter into 11 marriages? Now, you'll find the Orientalists, they'll say it was because of passion. But if you look at the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu 25 years old, he was when he made his first marriage with Khadija al-Kubra radiallahu ta'ala anha. What was her age? 40. If it was based on passion, it doesn't make logical sense. That a 25-year-old in the prime of youth should get married to someone who is 40 years of age. And that too. She was married twice before. Widowed twice. Abu Hala and Ibn Abid. From Abu Hala she had two children. One boy, one girl. From Ibn Abid she had one boy. And... Waraka bin Nofal, her engagement broke off. 
Nowadays, if we hear of some girl whose engagement broke off for whatever reason, it's a stigma. No one wants to approach that family. Why engagement broke? As if it's kiamat, something wrong with her. Yet the first wife of Rasulullah Khadijah al-Kubra, one engagement broke off and two, twice she was widowed. Forty years of age. And Nabi Islam, when he married her, he was twenty-five. He remained with Khadija for twenty-five years till the age of fifty. After she passed away, then the other nikahs took place. So there is no question of this thing being based on desire or anything. Eleven marriages, different backgrounds each of the wives of Rasulullah were in order to teach the ummah practically domestic life. How is a home made? What are the rights? Today our houses are on fire, our lives are in a shambles. Divorce rate is soaring, you can't even imagine it. The ihtimam of nikah is not there. What is behind this? One is, the ummah no longer understands the importance of akhlaq and character. And secondly, that we don't take the trouble to learn. Seerah is not there. We haven't learned what was the life of Rasulullah How he conducted himself with his wife, with his wives. One of our kabirin, he mentions one incident. He says one person phoned him up one day. He told him, he said, Manana, my wife and I, we are fighting all the time. House is like Jahannam. Can't take it anymore. So he said, all right, do me one favor. The next time you sit to eat with your wife, I want you to take one morsel of food and put it in her mouth. I want you to make this one loving gesture that you take one morsel of food and put it in the mouth of your wife. And we find that, obviously, Rasulullah said, whatever you spend on your family, if the intention is to please Allah, Allah will reward you. And he said that morsel of food that you take and put in your wife's mouth, Allah will reward you even for that. So he says, by way was, mashallah, snoring, somebody should tap that brother, inshallah. So this person was complaining, he says, always fighting, jahannam in the house. So he said, okay, I want you to take one morsel of food, put in your mouth, in your wife's mouth. So he says, the next day I phoned that person, I tap that brother who is sleeping, nothing will happen. Upstairs. So he said, next day, the alim says, I phoned that person up. And I asked him, that, did you do what I told you to do? So he says, no, I didn't do it. He said, why? He said, no, I sharam It embarrasses me to do that. So he says, to shout and bark and scream at your wife doesn't embarrass you. To lose your temper doesn't embarrass you. Now to put one morsel of food in a mouth, that's embarrassing. You go and do it now, in half an hour's time I'm phoning you up to see if you did it. So now he was in a jam, he was forced, he had no, no way out. So he says, when he phoned him up half an hour later, he asked him, Bhai, did you do what I told you? So he says, yes. What happened? 
He said, when I took the one morsel of food, put it in my wife's mouth, she got shocked. She was speechless. She stared at me. Then she asked me, she asked me, that who told you to do this? This couldn't have come from you. So he said, no, no, certain alim told me. So he said, go spend more time with him. coming back to this one brother in Jordan, they got hold of him. They took him for three days in the path of Allah. Three days spent properly, he walked into the house, he made salam and he smiled, his wife almost fainted. They said the same person, the same person went and caught hold of the foot of his father and begged him to forgive him. One time he changed, chased his father with a knife, this is the change that came in his life. And what happened, they say that woman, that wife of this person went and told that whole locality, send your husbands out in the path of Allah. Because this is tabligh. Tabligh is akhlaq. In any case, coming back, the emphasis that Quran places on this relationship. In fact, it is the mafum of the riwayat that there are certain sins, the certain sins which Allah will not forgive. But, but when a husband and a wife patches up, Allah becomes so happy that Allah forgives those sins. It is said that there is no there is no breaking down of any relationship that makes Allah as angry as the breaking down of the relationship between a husband and a wife. And there is no joining of a relationship that makes Allah as happy as the joining of a husband and a wife. Earlier this month, I mentioned this. Quran is ajeeb. Like I said, hundreds of verses in the Quran dealing with this relationship, but just one just to give us a glimpse, Quran is Bahrun la sahil the limitless ocean. In one expression, Allah Taala sums up this relationship. Allah says, "Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun." Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun. Your wives are your libas. Libas in Arabic is what clothing, garments. Your wives are garments for you and you are garments for them. If you just ponder on this one verse, if you look at the khususiyat or the qualities of clothing, first quality of clothing, is there anything between you and your clothes? Between you and your clothes, there's nothing. A person has a kurta or a vest on, between that and his body, there is nothing. So in that is ishara. What is Allah Ta'ala telling you? Don't allow any other relationship to come in between you and your wife. Your parents' right is in his place. Your brothers and sisters' right is in his place. Your cousins' right is in his place. Everybody else's right is in his place. Don't let those other relationships interfere and poke in this relationship between you and your wife. Like there is nothing between you and your clothing... Do not let outside influences come in between the relationship between you and your wife. They have their haq fulfill that. Your wife also has her haq fulfill that. Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun. Another explanation Mufassirin give. They say that there is nothing that is closer to you. There is nothing that is closer to you than your clothing. Between you and your clothing there is nothing. The closest thing to you is your clothing. So they say this relationship is the first relationship. Keep the love and muhabbat of your wife very, very close to you. 
And conversely, you are their clothing, they must also preserve this. In fact, Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala used to say that I beautify myself for my wife. Ibn Abbas radiallahu was bakhrul uloom. He was an ocean of knowledge. So this is nothing closer to you than your clothes. Don't allow anything to destroy this relationship. If your mother is coming in between, your father is coming in between, make them razi, make them happy, but not at the expense of the right of the right of your wife. And if your wife is coming between you and your parents, make her happy, but not at the expense of their haq and their right. In other words, what is the solution? Lower yourself. Humble yourself. Patch up. Take the short end of the stick with your wife and with your mother. Short end of the stick with your wife and with your father. And if you take the short end of the stick, what will happen? What will happen? Allah's Rasul gave us the formula. He said, no one lowers himself. No one humbles himself for Allah's sake, but Allah raises him. Allah will elevate you. It's not demeaning. To preserve the peace and muhabbat in the home, to take the short end of the stick is a means of you being elevated. It's not a means of you demeaning yourself. Likewise, hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun. Your wife is a garment to you, you are a garment to her. Does anybody tear his clothing? No matter how angry you become, only if you've lost your marbles or gone mad, you'll start tearing your clothing. But if a person is sane, of sound mind, will he actually, will he ever tear his own clothing? No matter how angry he becomes, you will never tear your clothing. Not only you won't tear your clothing, you won't allow a stain to come on your clothing. Sometimes you look at small children, as, as young as they are, they'll have their own cupboard, they'll be putting their, their clothing properly, they'll be hanging it up, they'll be folding it. From the age of five or six, you notice little children, this is the attitude of a person towards his clothing. Sometimes when you're walking on the road, if there's mud, if there's a puddle, you'll, you'll allow your own feet to get messed. You'll allow your body to get messed, but you won't allow one speck of mud to go on your clothing. In exactly the same way, protect your wife. Don't let any mud go on her. Don't let anybody point a finger at her. Don't let anybody demean her or cast aspersions on her character like you will protect your clothing you'll take the mud on yourself in the challenges of life in akhlaq, in interaction in whatever halat and conditions come take the mud on yourself but protect your spouse both sides Allah says you are a garment to them they are a garment to you and we find that this word libas elsewhere in the Quran Allah says قَدْ أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكُمْ libasa. Allah says, we have sent clothing for you. Al-Qur'anu yufassiru ba'duha ba'da. Qur'an, other verses, make tafsir of other verses in the Qur'an. So Allah Ta'ala in this verse, mentions two very great benefits of libas. What are the two benefits of libas and clothing? Allah says, قَدْ أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكُمْ libasa. Yuwari so'atikum warisha. Two great benefits of clothing. One, Allah says, Yuwari so'atikum. Clothing covers your private parts. In other words, clothing conceals your faults, conceals your blemishes. 
So you are a clothing to your wife, conceal her faults, don't reveal her faults. She is a clothing to you, she should be concealing your faults, not revealing your faults. It's a different matter. Somebody sent me a message the other day, they say human beings are prone to error. But a woman has a God-gifted talent to photographically memorize every mistake you made and remind you about it for the rest of your life. That's not the way it should be. Yuwari so atikum. Allah says each one should be concealing the faults of the others. And another benefit of libas, Allah says, warisha. Risha means through clothing Allah gives you beauty. Allah gives you beauty. Allahu Akbar, if we read the akhlaq of Rasulullah wasallam, the manner in which he dealt with his wives, time is very limited, just one or two incidents. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala says, that I used to be, I was in the state of haze. I was in the state of haze. Normally, amongst the Arabs in that culture at that time, they used to feel the wife is napak, you must stay away from her. In that culture and in that society, she says, I was in the state of haze. Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa was with me. I was drinking from a container. She says, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa took the container from me and he placed his Mubarak lips on exactly the same spot that I had placed my lips. To show as a gesture of affection, as a gesture of love. She says, I was eating a piece of meat from a bone. Allah's Rasul took it from me with his own Mubarak hands and he chewed on exactly the same spot that I was chewing on. Once Rasulullah jihad, suffer of jihad, he was returning. He told the companions to go ahead. They went ahead till it was only himself and Aisha radiallahu anha. Alone in the desert. And then Rasulullah said to Aisha, will you race with me? So she said, yes. So she says, that time I was light. I managed to run faster. I beat Rasulullah. Imagine the, the weight of the Jannat and Jahannam of the entire humanity on his shoulders. And yet he takes the time out to race with his wife in the desert. On a suffer of jihad. We, our idea of deen is dry. This was the type of deen that Rasulullah presented. She says a few years later, again we were on a journey. On the, Nabi Sallallahu told the Sahaba to carry on. When it was me and him alone, Nabi Sallallahu asked her, Aisha, will you race with me? She said, this time he beat me. So then Nabi Sallallahu smiled and told me, Hadihi bitilka sabaka. Last time you beat me, this time I beat you. Now we are equal. Look at that akhlaq, the muhabbat, the love, the jor, the unity. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa This is where Allah Ta'ala tells us, Libasi yuwari su'atikum warisha. Beautify your life, beautify your home. Your home is not made beautiful with chandeliers. It's not made beautiful with fancy marble, with fancy furniture. The home is made beautiful with akhlaq and character. Even if you are eating dry bread, it will taste like biryani if there is akhlaq and character. And wallah, my respected brothers, it can be the best biryani but if there is no akhlaq and character, if you are fighting like cats and dogs, that thing will taste like stone. The home is made through akhlaq and character. The akhlaq and character which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa taught us. Ya Aish, you would call her Ya Aish. Times you would call her Ya Khumaira. Affectionate terms Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa would use for his wives, for the azwaj mutahharat And like that, many, many analogies we can draw from this expression. One expression. Hunna libasun lakum wa antum libasun lahun. 
Your wives are a garment for you and you are a garment for them. Just one more we'll mention and then we'll terminate. No matter how shameless a person is, Ulama mentioned, no matter how shameless a person is, no one can ever be without his clothing. Even if he's alone in one room and nobody is there, then too, if a person is naked, he never feels at ease. Has to put some clothing, some covering on. So they say in exactly the same way, Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun. You can never live without them, they can never live without you. That is why Abdullah bin Masood radiallahu ta'ala used to say that, he says, if, I, if my wife passes away and I have 10 days left in this world, then too I will take another wife. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala said, if I had 7 days left, I'll take another wife. Because this is an imperative relationship. It is the covering. In it is our security, our mental stability. And in it is the preservation of the next generation. Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lakum. Allah Ta'ala says they are a garment for you and you are a garment for them. But the root behind this, the preservation of our homes, the making of our homes as we mentioned, is the akhlaq of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is why as Amma Yusuf Sallallahu under the chapter of akhlaq, akhlaq al-Nabi wa ashabi, like I said as a sub-chapter, there is a whole great detail on nikah. These occasions are not time for us to go into the details, read all the incidents. In fact, the one incident which in which... MashaAllah, there are so many sabaks that we can learn. I haven't even... I read a little bit of the Arabic. There's no time to translate. We've already exceeded the time. But on our individual basis, Allah give life an opportunity. We should try and create this very close bond and link with seerah. With the seerah, with the history of Rasulullah and the noble companions. Through that, the mizaj and the temperament of shariat will come. And... These occasions, these Mubarak nights, my respected brothers, one is we make effort on our ibadat, make effort on dua, turning to Allah Ta'ala. Also make this dua that Allah give us akhlaq and character. Allah perfect our character. Our perfection of faith is in akhlaq and character. Our tabliq, the perfection of our tabliq is in akhlaq and character. Allahumma hadini li ahsanil akhlaq. Fa innahu la yahdi li ahsaniya illa anta. Wasrif anni sayyaha. فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَصْرِفُ عَنِّي سَيَّا إِلَّا أَنْتَ Ajeeb dua Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made. He said, Oh Allah, give me hidayat, inspire me. Allahumma hdini li ahsani al-akhlaq for the best akhlaq and character. فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَهْدِي لِي أَحْسَنِيَا إِلَّا أَنْتَ Because Ya Allah, it is only you that can guide me towards that akhlaq. وَصْرِفْ عَنِّي سَيَّاهَا And Ya Allah, turn bad akhlaq, bad behavior, bad mannerisms away from me. Because it is only you that can turn it away from me. So this we find is the dua ma'thura, mankul from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because as we mentioned, ma min shay'in athqal fi mizan al-abdil mu'mini yawm al-qiyamah min khuluqin hasan. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, nothing, nothing, nothing is weightier on the scale of deeds on the day of judgment than good akhlaq and character. So these nights, like I said, make dua for akhlaq and clean our affairs. People we have caused duk to, people we have caused pain to, people we have caused hurt to, Allah's right, Allah is very forgiving. Makhluk's right, we have to make steps, take steps to address those wrongs. If our financial affairs are messed up, now is the time to seriously ask for Allah's help and start repairing our affairs. Get our mu'amalat right. Get our financial dealings right. If you've broken promises, done people down, usurp the rights of others, 
This is the time now for us to take steps to address those things. If we don't have the means, at least cap in hand, ask the person for grace. But make a genuine effort. Make a genuine effort. And going forward, unnecessary debt, unnecessary financial obligations, these are things to be avoided. Develop qanaat, develop contentment. Be content with what Allah has given you. Don't have that lalchi nazal, that avaricious gaze looking always at what others have and we're trying to live beyond our means. Allah give us tawfiq. Brothers, like I said, these are nights for infiradi ibadat. Earlier, ijtimai dua already took place. Now, brothers, I encourage tilawat of Quran, our nawafil, tahajjud, etc., our zikrullah, try and engage in some seclusion. Let there be alone time between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Talk to Allah ta'ala, beg from Allah, beseech from Allah. Allah give us tawfiq subhanahu wa ta'ala.